Welcome to the official podcast of Apostolic Lighthouse. We'd like to thank you for listening today. We pray this message blesses you and encourages you to see that God is working in your life. Enjoy the message. Let's give that to the Lord this evening. I was glad when they said unto me, let us go into the house of the Lord. This house is a miracle house. This is a place, a room where souls are saved. This is a sanctuary, a church, where prayers are answered. You can have healing. You can have deliverance. You can have salvation. The wonders of God are available to you. And it comes not by might, not by power, but by my spirit, saith the Lord. Hallelujah. Now we have a word for God's Spirit. We call that the Holy Ghost. The Holy Ghost, the infilling of God's Spirit. You can have that. You can have the Lord living and dwelling inside of you. Even on this first revival service here on Midweek Thursday night, God can fill you up to the brim with His Spirit in Norwalk, California. Hallelujah. Well, I'm excited to be here with you all. I have been looking forward to this revival here for weeks and months. I love y'all. I love coming here to Norwalk, and uh, you are a blessed church. You're one of my very first revivals, actually, in the state of California. Hallelujah. And so if you have your Bibles, uh, I want to get right into the Word tonight. and uh, I want to go to Galatians chapter 5. And while you're turning, let me say this special honor that uh, I deeply appreciate the friendship and the ministry of your shepherd, the pastor of this church, Brother Bradley. He is a good pastor, and I know I travel all around the country. You have a good man of God. I want you to know that. I'm glad for his ministry here in this church. And for all the Bradley family, you're a blessing to Norwalk. Thank you. Don't we have a good music team here at this church as well? Hallelujah. Praise God. Good musicians in the Holy Ghost. Hallelujah. Praise God. Galatians 5. I'm going to read some verses here in the New Testament epistle. That means letter in plain English. The letter to the Galatians. Now Galatia was a region of churches. So this letter was read most likely out loud to the entire congregation in each church that received a copy of this letter in the region of Galatia. This I say then, the Apostle Paul is talking here, walk in the Spirit, and ye shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Verse 19, now the works of the flesh are manifest, which are these, adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lasciviousness, idolatry, idol worship, witchcraft, hatred, variance, being at variance with your brother, emulations, wrath, strife, seditions, heresies, envyings, murders, drunkenness, revelings. Say party lifestyle. lifestyle. That's what revelings means in modern English. And such like. Of the which I tell you before, as I have also told you in time past. That means the Apostle Paul was like most preachers. He was repeating himself. Bless God, we all do it. All right. He said that they which do such things... The things in this list shall not inherit the kingdom of God. Sober thought 
I confess to you that I wanted to preach something else, but the Holy Ghost convicted me to preach this sermon. For a few minutes, I shall preach upon this title, Disinherited from the Kingdom of God. Disinherited from the Kingdom of God. Lord, speak to us. Move in our lives. Let us hear what you, God, are saying. Let it not be Joel in the flesh, but Jesus. Let me speak your words, Lord God. You take my lips, you take my voice, Lord God, and just make me the vessel and the instrument of your presence that you desire me to be. And Lord God, with joy, let us all draw waters out of your well of salvation tonight. Let us hear what you preach and let us receive your testimony and receive your word. Everybody say in Jesus' name. name. Amen. Clamp your hands once more unto God as you are seated. Hallelujah. It's possible to have it and to lose it. It's possible to be a part of the kingdom of God and to do something that will remove myself from the salvation conversation. What are you saying, preacher? I am saying Judas, by transgression, fell. And Judas had the best preacher in the universe. His name was Jesus. So ministry, don't be blaming yourself thinking that you're not a good enough preacher. You are not a good enough orator. Judas had the best preacher of the universe. And he backslid. It is possible to hear the best preaching that God can give to us. And still, the lust of the flesh and the lust of the eyes and the pride of life to draw myself out away from the hand of God. You know, every man is tempted. Say every man. man. That's everybody. That's the entirety, both present and listening as well later to the podcast. Everybody is tempted. Every man is tempted when he is drawn away of his own lusts and enticed. The Apostle James said, I looked up that word enticed. It's like lured. It almost means like a fishing lure. The enemy and demons are dangling your most favorite fruit in front of you. Your best lure the thing your flesh wants the most is being offered to you by hellish hands and by demonic deviance. Things in your life are being presented in front of you, but you know in your heart, no matter how much you are tempted in your flesh, you know in your heart and you feel in your soul that that thing is wrong. That temptation is not right. It is against the laws of God. And however much I might want it, I must say no! Even Jesus himself was tempted in how many points? All points. All points means Jesus felt the temptation that you feel. Even the secret private temptation that you would never admit to in polite society. He was tempted in all points. That means your worst battles. He felt it and he resisted. And he is our example. And if I want to be like my father, if I want to be like Jesus, then just like he said no, I gotta say no. 
Let me get going right to it here. 1 Corinthians 6 and verse number 9. A very similar striking list like the letter to Galatia is given right here. We read, Know ye not that the unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God. Be not deceived, neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, eminent, abusers of themselves with mankind, thieves, covetous, drunkards, revilers, extortioners, none of these shall inherit the kingdom of God. Notice the same statement basically is made. None of these in this list would inherit the kingdom. But there's something very personal I want to point out in each list. If you have a Bible in front of you or a Bible app on your phone, compare Galatians 5.19 with 1 Corinthians 6.9. Each time, the first sin named is sexual immorality. Sober subject, I feel to preach to you on this particular sin for several minutes here. In each list, the first sin enumerated, fornicators, adulterers, in Galatians chapter 5, the sins of the body. You see, your body was made by God. God formed Adam of the dust of the ground because it was personal. It doesn't make that statement about any other biological creation in the entirety of the book of Genesis. You were formed by the hands of God, and you were made in the image of God. Therefore, it should not surprise us that the devil and demonic forces attempt to destroy what God formed with his own hands and what God made in his own image. He made you. He made your body for a creation purpose. But hellish things want to twist all of that outside of the creation avenue and purposing of heaven. It is the purpose of this world system and our modern culture to make us all veer off course in every single aspect of our lives, in our lifestyles, in our verbs, in our communications, in our words, in our religious practices, and yes, even in our very bodies. But it's not right if the Word of God says it's not right. It matters what I do with my body. It matters what I do with the temple of God. This sermon hits all of us. Not just the low lows and the high holies. Every one of us has faced temptation at some point upon our lives. We face it even today when you're watching a video clip upon YouTube and that 10 second advertisement comes up and you wish you hadn't seen it and your mind begins to think and to dwell upon those evil images and what you saw. When you see that ad upon the news webpage on the World Wide Web, when you drive by the billboard somewhere on the highways of California your mind is taken places in that split second and you must make a decision will I be a son of God or a son of perdition one of them will stay and one of them's gotta go will I be holy or will I allow my mind to be the trash can and recycling center of hell 
Each time in these two letters, sexual sins took precedence. But this is not simply a New Testament phenomenon. The writer of Proverbs, Proverbs chapter 6, King Solomon had some choice words for these types of sins. Now, by the way, before I read this verse in Proverbs 6, I'll just tell you, my problem with this sermon is not that there aren't enough verses that talk about this in the Word of God. My problem is there are so many scriptures on this subject. Entire chapters of the Old and New Testaments. There are more verses on sexual perversion and sexual immorality than there are on the oneness of God or the salvation plan. Why? Why did the writers of the Bible, inspired by God, talk about this so much? It's because God knows. It's because the preachers know. It's because we all all know this is the most subtle and insidious temptation that we face. Proverbs 6 and verse number 27. Hallelujah. Got to turn there. Bless God. Can a man take fire in his bosom and his clothes not be burned? Can one go upon hot coals and his feet not be burned? So he, say he, that goeth in to his neighbor's wife. I find it is very commonplace. I'm going to preach real to y'all. Is that okay? I find it is commonplace, man talking here, that many men guilty of this sin blame the woman. Scripture does not. It says he, he that goes in to his neighbor's wife. In fact, I'm out. I'm going to talk here. It bugs the fire out of me as a minister when a man blames a woman for all of his problems. Well, my goodness, man, you put your pants on yourself, you laced your shoes up, put your socks on, you have responsibility. Part of the definition of biblical God-ordained manhood is responsibility. If a man provide not for his own, especially of those for his, of his own house, he has denied the faith and is worse than an infidel. And I did not come here to beat up every man in Norwalk. Let me tell you. I didn't come here to beat you all up. That's not why I'm here. I'm here to sound the alarm and blow the trumpet in Zion that hell is trying to tempt you. Hell wants to destroy your marriage and destroy your children. You men must be the covering. We must be the covering. We must protect our homes. It starts with us. It starts with the prayer warriors and the intercession I won't let hell have a gateway in my life. So he that goes in to his neighbor's wife, whosoever touches her shall not be innocent. I've heard all the excuses. I've heard the weirdest, wackiest, looney tune explanations of somebody saying, well, I'm not guilty. Well, what'd you do? The Bible gets explicit. You can't even put your hand on somebody you're not married to in a lewd manner and say, I'm innocent. No, you are not. You are guilty, dear sir and dear madam. And God is not okay with that. I must use my body according to the laws and principles of Jesus. 
I must be holy. Over and over again, Proverbs 5. There are like three chapters straight in Proverbs that discuss this issue. Proverbs 5. My son, attend unto my wisdom and bow down thine ear to my understanding that you may regard discretion and that your lips may keep knowledge for the lips of a strange woman drop as a honeycomb and her mouth is smoother than oil. When I give myself to somebody, when I take my vessel, my tabernacle of the Holy Ghost, and then participate in adultery, sexual sins, fornication. What is the end of that? This chapter actually warns us about this. Verse 8, Remove your way far from her, and come not nigh the door of her house, lest you give your honor unto others. First consequence is I lose my honor. I have built a lifetime building my own personal integrity and reputation. I thank God for the name that he has given to you and the good man that he has made you into. But if I take that lifetime reputation and integrity that God has constructed with his holy hands and give that life and name to somebody in sin, I'll lose my honor. And not just my honor, and thy years. Say years. You'll lose time. I hope all of you have restored marriages. I pray that all of you, God restores your relationship with your spouse. But one of the costs in divorce court is that somebody loses years. One of the common complaints of divorcees is they have lost time. They have lost years of your life. The cost of sexual sins is their years that are just gone. So how do I stop that? How do I prevent that it's real basic just don't do it don't have the affair don't call your ex-girlfriend dear brother don't slide in the dm of your ex-boyfriend dear sister leave them alone go home and love your spouse third consequence serious preaching here verse 10 Strangers, lest strangers be filled with your wealth. All of that money is going to ride on the alimony pony and the divorce court settlement. All right? That money is going bye-bye. It's going to be gone. Everything you own. It might be the house, the palace. It might be the family vehicle. Goodbye, old ranger, and hello, Pinto. It might be your favorite car that you drive. It's funny, but it's true. The things that you have called your own possessions, all the way down to the very clothes you wear and the things you need, it just might pass away and be given to somebody else. Repeat after me, I don't want that. I don't want to lose my treasure. So how do I keep it? I must remain holy in God. I must keep my body as the tabernacle of the Holy Ghost. I must follow in all of His ways. The guardrails of God are upon our lives. What are you talking about? Have you ever had a moment in, in God where you felt nudged by the Holy Ghost? 
to not continue a conversation. Have you ever been talking to somebody and a feeling came over you to exit from that place and exit from that person's presence and exit from that room just get in your car and drive have you ever considered in that moment that that was not just the mac and cheese last night that that was God God warning you to get out get out of that place get out of that conversation what are you saying preacher I'm saying flee fornication don't wrestle with it don't argue with it get out of the room get away from them go back to the house of God yeah. hallelujah Proverbs 7 I'm going to tell you a story I knew a lady minister years ago whose husband was caught with prostitutes lady of the evening her husband got caught with paid love alright I'll say it like that they worked on their marriage. She forgave him. They remained married, husband and wife. But then he thought to himself, Self, my wife thinks I have repented of that sin. She'll never suspect that I'll go back to it. And now he was wiser. Now he knew how to cover his steps. He thought, my pastor will never find out. My kids, my wife, they will never know but God is not mocked be sure your sin will find you out King Nebuchadnezzar said it in the book of Daniel thy God O Daniel is a revealer of secrets the secret things belong unto the Lord Deuteronomy says God knows what you've been doing he even knows our internet browser history after we punch delete God knows what you've been up to and God has a way of bringing all those secrets out to the open. So what did God do in that scenario? I'll tell you exactly what God did with that man. He was in the arms of a different woman and no joke, he accidentally pocket dialed his wife. God will bring it out. You won't be able to bury it. You won't be able to get away with it. God knows whether by a random phone call or the voice of an angel, God will bring the secret things out into the open. God will manifest the life that I live. I heard one preacher put it like this. I am who I am when I am alone. Who I I am when I am by myself is who I really am not just in pretty clothes in front of the big crowds who I am when nobody else sees me that's the Christian I actually am so who am I this evening am I holy am I innocent yes. Proverbs 7 King Solomon tells a story. My son, keep my words. Lay out my commandments. Do you see the personality, the personal nature of this? My son, he begins the passage by talking directly to his son. This is a father-son chat King Solomon is having, we believe, with his son Rehoboam, the next king. He... Welcome to the official podcast of Apostolic Lighthouse. 
We'd like to thank you for listening today. We pray this message blesses you and encourages you to see that God is working in your life. Enjoy the message. Is telling him the most important advice that a father can give to a son. Keep my commandments and live because the opposite of living is not living, dying. If I get outside of God's commandments, some part of myself may die. Perhaps not my physical life, but perhaps my married life. Just might be single again, dear brother, if you mess up. Perhaps my spiritual life or my prayer life. Some aspect of myself would grow spiritual gangrene and fall away. Keep my law as the apple of your eye. The apple of the eye, the iris, is the most sensitive part of the eye. The most painful, perhaps, thing that can happen is to have something poke your eye. I hate when something is in my eye. I hate feeling like something is in my eye. He is saying to treat God's laws just like that sensitivity. Bind them upon your fingers, verse 3, because when you are guilty of sexual sins, those fingers have done things that you're not proud of. But reverse that all. God says bind the laws of his kingdom upon your hands. Make your tabernacle dedicated to God. All right, that all this, verse 5, may keep you from the strange woman, from the stranger which flatters with her words. Now he tells a story in verse 6. For at the window of my house, I looked through my casement. King Solomon is just kind of lottied off, looking around, looks through his window, and he sees among the simple ones. I looked this up. The word simple ones means stupid people. Because when you're guilty of sexual sins, you have become a biblical fool. You have lost wisdom. Wisdom has departed from your life now. I beheld among the simple ones. I discerned among the youth. The youth have always been who the devil has targeted with sexual sins. It was that way in Proverbs. It's that way 3,000 years later. He sees a young man void of understanding. And this man's walking through the street and he passes through the street near her corner and he went the way to her house. You know, it looks like he knew what he was doing. It looks like he knew exactly where he was going. How is that her fault that she or he was going to her house? Men, once more, I feel to hit this in the Holy Ghost. It's not her fault if I drove to her house. Hallelujah. It's not her fault if I did things that I am not proud of. Not just simply her to blame. It took two to be guilty, didn't it? In the twilight, in the evening, in the black and dark night, men love darkness. Why? Because their deeds were evil. He thought the cover of night would cover his transgressions. And he, behold, there met him a woman there in that place that he went straight to with the attire of a harlot. It matters that I am modest. Full time out. Controversial subject. It matters that I clothe my body. Whatever the culture might tell you, I want to be Christian in my clothing closet as well. And if you agree, say, I agree. All right. She was subtle of heart. Her words caught this man. 
She caught him in verse 13. She planted an Old Testament smack on him. And she told him, I have peace offerings with me. I've paid my vows. She says, I go to church. I'm spiritual. I've sacrificed to God. I'm okay with the Lord. I'm religious just like you. You would be shocked how many affairs are initiated by people meeting actually in a house of worship. That surprises me to this day. But here it is in God's word. I've paid my vows. She's saying I have a clean slate. Nothing is on the ledger in the eyes of God in my life. Therefore, I came out to you diligently to seek your face. And I found you. By the way, time out, full stop. That's not true. She lied to that man. He came to her house. So he sought her out. But she lies and reverses it and says, I sought you out. People, when you're tempted, you'll listen to anything. And anybody who tells you that you're not guilty, they'll tell you it's their fault and not your fault. They'll take the blame for you on that day. But see how this goes. She says she's decked her bed out, made it ready, perfumed the bed with cinnamon and myrrh and aloes. Come and let's sin. She says in the 19th verse, verse 19, for the good man is not at home. That word good man means husband say husband she is saying my husband is not home he ain't here he's gone away on a long journey and i know exactly what day he's coming back verse 20 he has he will come home at the day appointed meaning she knows exactly exactly when he's coming back she's telling him we're safe he's long gone and with her words her much fair speech she caused him to yield. But in verse 27, her house is the way to hell, going down to the chambers of death. I have asked God many times for permission not to tell you this next part, but I keep feeling in the Holy Ghost to say it. There shall be consequences to living a lifestyle of sin. Consequences both spiritual and biological. I know people with bodily consequences, medical consequences that they face even today because of decisions they made many, many years ago. And you might think to yourself, young man, that nothing will happen. I'm just going out on the town for one night of fun. Well, bless God, I have buddies who are paying 18 years of child support because of their one night of fun, all right? You don't want that to happen to you. I'm getting very blunt for a reason. I'm trying to save your life. I'm trying to save your ministry. I'm trying to save your marriage. I, the preacher, do not want any marriage dissolved here. I don't want somebody to lose their calling because of a weekday or a personal moment. As I wrap up here, I'm going to read a couple of verses. 2 Corinthians 5 and 20 says as follows. 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse number 20. For we must all stand before the judgment seat of Christ. We must all stand before the judgment seat of Christ. It's verse 10. I told you the wrong verse. Hallelujah. Everybody, all of us here, must appear in front of his judgment. That means there is no exemption. All of us on that great day will hear the voice of Jesus even if we have backslidden. 
even if we have done wrong and not been right. And we'll hear one of two things. Well done, thou good and faithful servant, or depart from me. I never knew you. Matthew chapter 5 and verse number 8. These are also the words of our Lord. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Doesn't that scripture land differently after this message? What does impurity do to me? It blinds me. It muddies up and clouds up my vision. Instead of seeing God, I'm seeing a haze of all of my internal wranglings of my flesh and desires of my heart and my body. As you stand, I'm going to issue a challenge to the entire church in Norwalk. I challenge you on this midweek service to take the next five minutes. Find a place of prayer here in this church. The whole church, please. Find a place either up front or in your seat, standing, kneeling, or sitting, whatever is most comfortable. And everyone ask God this question. Have I done any of what this preacher preached about? We've all faced the temptation. But I feel that many of us have wrestled with God himself and wrestled in our minds and wrestled with our flesh about things we wanted that we knew weren't right. I wasn't going to say this. Revelations 21, verse 8. We are told exactly who goes to hell at the end of time. The fearful and unbelieving and the abominable. That word abominable in Hebrew means something disgusting. Divine disgust. There are things in my life that are abhorrent to God. Murderers, whoremongers, sorcerers, idol worshippers. And that last part hits all of us. All liars. I ask you to search your heart. Have you lived a lie? Have you lived claiming that you were all right and you got past that gunk and that junk in your mind? Or is there a seed of it there that you're asking the Lord Jesus to remove? Do you want a cleansing from within? Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. Tonight, everybody at Apostolic Lighthouse Right now, find a place of prayer and talk to God. If you'd like, come and join me up front here. I'm asking you to come. The final part of this sermon is the removal of all those sins from all of our ledgers. When you repented of it, when you confessed it and given it to God, in the eyes of the Lord, it never happened. And if you ask God about that, He may tell you, what are you talking about? It's not there anymore. You're clean. You're innocent. You're pure. You're holy. And you're dedicated to God. Every hand lifted right now in worship. Give God thanks for forgiveness. Give God thanks for repentance. 
as Pastor comes to Thank close you. us out right now. What an incredible message. Thank you again for joining us on the podcast, and may God bless you.